What's up, y'all? It's Kavya. Welcome back to the 14th episode of Women on the Mic. Today, I'm so honored and excited to have the chance to talk to Coach Natalie Nakase of the uh, assistant coach for the LA Clippers. Thank you for joining me today. It really means a lot. Oh, you're welcome. I'm excited to be here. I mean, I know this time is filled with a lot of uncertainty for everyone, but what kind of things are you doing to keep yourself busy during this time? Well, with all this time, um, it's actually really nice. I've been working out a lot, um, like two to three times a day. Oh, that's uh, nice. Just kind of in my nature, you yeah. know, just uh, working out. So it's just like go from an NBA season where we don't have a lot of time to work out. It's like, okay, well now, you know, we don't have an excuse. We should be in shape. We should be <laughs> healthy. We should be rested. And so it's been it's been good, especially for the mental stage. Yeah, definitely. Um, before I, you know, get into how you got into coaching and everything, I kind of wanted to start off by hearing your story of how you got into basketball and how you fell in love with the game. So how did you first form that love for basketball? Like, do, what are some early memories you have with the sport? Um, Honestly, I was, I'm a daughter of three, three girls, and I'm the youngest. And so, you know, when you have two older sisters, you kind of, I mean, I don't know about you if you have brothers and sisters, but you kind of want to do what the older sister or older brother want to do, yeah. you know? So I just kind of followed in their footsteps. They played before me. Uh, my dad was a big basketball fan, and he played himself. And so I think it has a combination with – my dad has a huge passion for basketball and sports. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, like, my sisters played. And so I think that just kind of started um, – kind of the interest you know you do have interest in something obviously mm-hmm. it would r- runs in your family but then as I got older and I got to play against them and I always had to play against older girls like my dad kind of considered me like the the third kid who he knew how to train by the third kid yeah. that makes sense you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean like okay I tried this I tried yeah. this and then so with me um I was kind of you know uh I got special, I wouldn't say special treatment, but like I got to see things, uh, feel things at an early age. And mm-hmm. when you have success as a kid, um, that I think just naturally you start falling in love with it because you're successful at it. Did you play like any other sports as a kid or was it just like basketball, basketball? No, I played, um, I wanted to play volleyball. I wanted to continue in that, but my mm-hmm. dad was kind of just really strict. And he said, you know, if you have any chance, cause you're only five, Five one, five two. He's like, if you have any chance, you're gonna have to just stick with basketball. Mm-hmm. So, up till eighth grade, um, I played volleyball, track. Uh, you know, I just did all the sports yeah. just to win all those awards when you're younger. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. then, um, as you get older, like once you get to high school, my dad's like, uh, you're not playing volleyball. You have to play basketball. Like, yeah, I was relating to what you were saying about, you know, being the youngest kid. Well, I'm the oldest kid, so my parents are, like, I'm the guinea pig for everything. So, like, <laughs> I have two younger siblings, so now they, like, my parents know what to do and everything. And they also play sports like me, so I know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, um, you're the leader. You're yeah. You're the leader. So, growing up, did you have, like, a favorite team or a player that you look up you looked up to? It changed, like, as I got you know, older, but right when I started, because I was a point guard, Magic Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, and the Lakers, I mean, that was a team to fans? watch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I just naturally said that. But yeah, when I was a kid, I mean, they were the winning team. Yeah. Uh, the big, biggest thing with Magic is he made everyone better on his team, mm-hmm. and he had so much fun doing it. And so mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that yeah. looks like fun. And then for me, um, 
I just enjoyed that. I enjoyed making the assists or creating an open shot for my mm-hmm. teammates and making them look good. It just, it was fun. And then as I got older, that's, you know, the Michael Jordan era. And then, boom, mm-hmm. I just wanted to be just like Michael Jordan. I wanted his calves. I don't know if you ever, like, <laughs> I don't know. I was obsessed with his, like, he was so, like, fit. But his calves were, like, amazing. I remember putting a poster up in my room, and I'm like, I got to get calves like that. So Michael Jordan then took yeah, off. Yeah, I've been be watching the um, the Last Dance, and it's been, like, so cool to watch that. Because I've always, you know, heard stories of how amazing Michael Jordan was. But, you know, I've never got the chance to see him play or, you know, hear his stories. And it's so inspiring. And I... And, you know, I think, you know, um, I, I, the next episodes are about Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan in the finals, I think. So that'll be exciting to watch. Yes, I can't wait because, <laughs> you know, that was the battle. Like, who's the best? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, granted, Magic Johnson was older, but, you know what I mean? Like, they're both great in their, in their roles, yeah. you know, so it's hard to compare. And you were talking about, you know, the importance of teamwork, being a point guard, creating open shots and all that stuff. So... What are some key lessons that you learned through basketball that kind of translated into your life outside the court? Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I think um, it's important, like with anything in terms of like a group setting, whether it's a family or um, a team or anything that you involve yourself with, is that you truly care about the people that you're around. Yeah. You know, like uh, with high school and in grade school, it's a little bit different because usually, like, you you hang out with your friends and then you go to the team and then you're, those are your friends, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So yeah. that's kind of a little bit um, simpler, but it, it did, the bonding and everything did make a huge difference and all that bonding in terms of caring for each other, having each other's back, um, adversity times when things were bad or if a teammate was struggling, boom, I would be right there. And mm-hmm. I think that carries over in life. Like, right now is a big time you spend with your family, so you should right now you know, pay attention, make sure you're checking on them, make sure they're okay. Um, And that's just kind of, I guess, how I see things. It's like, no matter what, with your job, you you have to care about the people that you surround yourself with. Definitely. Um, You talked about, you know, how your dad was a huge impact in your life with respect to basketball. Um, So I can imagine, like, the importance of basketball throughout your childhood. But when did you realize that you wanted to play pro and kind of shape your career around basketball? Probably when... I was maybe a junior in high school when I started to get um, like pretty decent like recognition for mm. my abilities and my level of play at that time where I was like, wow, I am getting recruited. You know, this could yeah. be a possibility. The WNBA started to happen when I was in high school. Mm. And so at that time, obviously, we all said like, oh, it would be cool to, you know, put, play professionally at that time because we never had a WNBA. Mm. Um, so it was right about high school where I had that interest and then obviously as you get older like you find out you know you either love it or you don't and I just for some reason I drifted towards that I really loved it and I really can't see myself doing anything else besides play basketball yeah Yeah. Uh, after high school you went to play for UCLA right Mm -hmm. but um so how did you transition I know you were a walk-on at first so can you talk to me about that journey and story of how you kind of entered as a walk-on and then became a three-year starter because I'm sure that's no easy feat and that takes a lot of you know mental fortitude well what happened for me this is is interesting for me like when I grew up playing always like an AU national tournaments like I always played against the top top players right Mm, like yeah yeah, that's just how it naturally happens and then as I got older like the knock for me was I was five foot one and three fourths. Like that was mm. a knock. She's too small. She's too small. Right. Yeah. I heard it my whole life. And so as I got 
um, recruited, I wasn't getting recruited by the top, top schools. And I'm like, what the, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. What, what's going on? Yeah. Like, and I would be, I, I knew on the court though, when I played against some of these girls that were getting the scholarships to other schools, I was better than them. Mm-hmm. Like I knew it, but from the outside looking in, yeah. obviously you don't want to take a chance, right? Mm-hmm. All the coaches have their, their job security. Like, why would I take a chance on a small girl, you know, yeah. rather than the average, like five, eight athletic long. Um, mm-hmm. And so like, for me, all I needed to do was just get one little opportunity. And then if I had that opportunity, I just had to go for it. So mm-hmm. it ended up being really random. Like one of the scouts or a friend of a scout of the UCLA team actually showed up at my championship game that um, was like the Serie finals in Long Beach. And for some reason, I just couldn't miss. It was one of those games yeah, where like yeah. the rim, rim was like three feet, four feet. Like it was crazy. Everything I threw up went in and I just played really well. And then next thing I know is I had an opportunity to walk on at UCLA and they're just like, would you want to do this? And I said, absolutely. Like, just where do I sign? Where on my other hand, I actually had a starting position at UCI where the coach was like, if you come here, you'll start. And I was like, why would you see? I'm weird. But I was like, why would you offer me a starting position when you even, you don't even know me, Mm, you know, like you don't know me, you don't know my, like my work ethic. And so honestly, I thought, I wasn't even intrigued at one bit going to UCI because I just didn't like that. I didn't have to earn my spot. Mm -hmm. So then going to UCLA, once I get, I got there and I signed and I met the coach and she was great. She had a great personality. I looked her in the eye and I just said, like, in my eyes, if she kind of doubted me, obviously, because she didn't recruit me, I just knew, like, I had to prove to her I could play for you and my work ethic will be the Mm -hmm. best on the team. So. That's kind of how it carried over. That's amazing. I, I really like that drive. I think that's really inspiring. So what would you say is, like, the biggest takeaway you had from your years at UCLA, like, like that experience? And, like, what piece of advice would you share from that experience? I would share that um, don't allow people just, especially – um, people that don't know you very well, like don't be intimidated mm. by people's opinions, whether it's your coach, whether it's, you know, the manager, whether it's like your own teammates, because, you know, obviously if you're trying to be at the best, you're trying to be at the top, like people are going to try to push you down immediately. Yeah. Like that's just how it is in sports. And so I would just say like, don't listen to them, stay focused, work extremely hard and at the end of the day, if you work extremely hard or, or if you're the hardest worker, everything will fall into place. Yeah. I guarantee that. Yeah. yeah that's really good advice. Um, I know, you know, before it seized opera- operations, you played pro for the National Women's Basketball League and you were the league's first Asian American player. You know, from that standpoint, you know, I'm also an Asian American and, you know, in my volleyball team, I'm the only Indian kid there. And I know like there are a lot more Asian Americans in athletics now, but you know, when you were playing, did you feel like there was that lack of representation of Asian Americans in athletics? Yeah, because I never, like, really visually saw it, mm-hmm. you know, day to day. So even, like, when I was young playing in those Asian tournaments, uh, yeah. sorry, Asian tournaments, the AAU tournaments, <laughs> yeah. um, they would be like, oh, there's an Asian girl. You know, I, yeah. just, I would hear that a lot. I'm like, oh, well, at least, you know, they notice me. You know, I was like, because mm-hmm. people were like, were you offended by that? I'm like, no, they, they know who I am. Mm-hmm. Like, that means yeah. something. Like, you know, I'm being um, noticed. But, yeah, I mean, there wasn't. But, again, like, your first question was, like, who did you admire? Well, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan. Like, I wanted to be, like, yeah. the people that I saw on TV. 
you know, it had nothing to do with, like, race for me growing up. Yeah, so that didn't really affect you on the mental side of things? No, it didn't. And then just growing up, people would ask me, you know, who did you look up to when you were a kid? And there was this great point guard, Nicole Erickson, who ended up playing and going on to Duke. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked up to her because I saw her all the time. She trained in the same place I did. We had the same trainer. And, you know, naturally, again, like, uh, you you follow what you see visually, yeah. you know, or like in terms of like what I went back to in terms of what you care. Like I cared because, you know, she would help me and stuff like that. Like that was, that was a big deal. You yeah. know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's more like I saw visually and then obviously on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I kind of want to transition into how you got into coaching. So how did you decide, you know, you were done with playing and coaching was kind of the next step in your career? Um, I didn't want to coach at such an early age, but I tore, I tore my ACL, uh, my oh. senior in high school. And then mm-hmm. I did it again. I didn't tear my ACL, but I, I tore my meniscus and I was, I said it out loud to the universe. Like when I first tore my ACL, I was like, if I ever have to go through this rehab again, I am done. And I shouldn't have said that because yeah. now I'm a big believer in, you know, you know, speaking into existence. Mm-hmm. So I shouldn't have said that, but <laughs> You know, it happens, um, and so right when it happened, I'm like, I'm not doing surgery. And then, boom, I had, I was playing in Germany in Division One, and then the following year, I got offered a, a head coaching job in that same league. So, it just, you know, right place, right time. Yeah, and then after, you coached in Japan for a little bit too, right? Mm-hmm. So, I coached in Germany for three, and then I coached in Japan for two. So what was that, um, like, your journey to L.A.? How did you transition from, you know, like, Germany, Japan to now L.A.? So Germany, I played one year, coached three years, and then Japan, um, I was over there because a friend of mine played there, and so he was like, you know, come over here, like, just experience it, you're going to love it, you're Japanese, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So it'll probably, you'll be like, connected, whatever. So I go there and experience the culture. It's amazing. Like, mm-hmm. I, it made me understand why my dad was so strict with me, you know, yeah. just how, you know, he re, he really focuses on respect, discipline, mm-hmm. everything from our culture, like, made sense. And when I went there, um, I just had an opportunity to, like, my friend, he played on a team that was coached by Bob Hill, who was a former NBA coach. And his son, Casey Hill, is actually on our staff right now. So we work together, which is crazy. But, um so he was a former media coach and so as soon as I went to one practice I was like like obsessed like I couldn't believe it just the terminology his flow of practice was so efficient and I'm like what like I felt like I was behind but I also found like wow this is amazing it was like an orchestra like it was it was so cool and from there I just kept volunteering so I volunteered for like two weeks kept coming kept coming and then Bob asked me like what do you want and I was like I want to be your assistant, you know, and I was willing to do it for free. You know, I didn't have a job at the time. Mm-hmm. And he was like, okay. He's like, let me ask the GM. And he's like, and then I'll let you know the next day. And then boom, I'm an assistant coach for a men's team. That's awesome. Just like that. Um, and then, then that year, I don't know if you heard about that earthquake that happened. It was like an eight or a nine in Japan. Oh, so we actually yeah. had to, yeah, we had to leave because of that earthquake. And then the following year, Bob helped me get a job on another team the following year. So I went back out there. Um, after a month, the team transitioned and the front office is like, okay, you're our assistant coach, but we want you to be our head coach. You know, they just didn't see eye to eye with the head coach. And I said, okay, great. <laughs> I just took the <laughs> That's job. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you've broken so many barriers, you know, doing your career as a pl- both player and a coach, including 
You're the first woman to sail on the bench as an NBA assistant. Do you, how often do you really like think about those, you know, paths you're paving for young women or those barriers you're breaking? Or do you not really, you know, focus on that aspect? Being honest, like, I don't, I don't focus on that because, like, internally, like, I really feel in life, like, you should do everything from your heart. Like, you should do everything because your intent is true and pure. And so for me, like, I just want to coach. Like, I just yeah. want to coach and be at the best. I eventually want to be a head coach. And so I, if I really focus on just myself and to work extremely hard, um, everything kind of will fall into place. But if I sit here and say, well, I want to do this because – I want to pave the way. Like my my intention and my focus will yeah will go somewhere else if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because then you know what I mean. I'll I'll try to figure out other ways to do it for to make that way where at the end of the day, like I just want to just want to coach. Yeah, and and so that's really and then it just happens. Like yeah, that's everyone's kind of just like byproduct. Yeah, it's like everything just falls in place. I found an opportunity, then I went for it. I think that's the biggest thing for me is when I talk to younger women about coaching is like I don't hesitate. Like if someone just says, hey, do you want to go to this gym? I said, yeah, like I just go. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where like I've taught, I've had other, you know, girls talk to me about it and they'll be like, well, should I do this? And <laughs> they're like, are you crazy? You yeah. know, like I sit there and it baffles my mind. Like I was so opposite. Like I just – yeah and make it and make your opportunity like when I went to Japan I just flew over there with a friend like I barely knew him and I just stayed with him and his wife and I just like yeah and then he's like you want to come to my party like yeah and then I just did it and boom you know yeah that's that's awesome I mean that's really great advice to just kind of seize every opportunity make your opportunities and you know let everything fall into place what have been you know the most challenging aspects of your career and also, you know, the most rewarding aspects of your career? Um, sometimes it's, it's challenging in terms of just so much time we do put into this, like yeah. in terms of like attention to detail of like just a practice plan or a scouting report, like because we're working with the best athletes, the best coaches, like it's going to be so competitive. So if you like, say, like, oh, I'll just do this report, like, real quickly or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. that could cost you a game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And a game could cost you an opportunity or a place in the playoffs. So I think it's just more of the time that we spend, you know, just with one game. 82-game season, and you have to win. That's you try crazy. to win every every game. I think it's just that, the time and the effort that we put in, not only just with the scouting, then you have the players. And with the players, it's like, you want to give as much time as you can again because we go back to whole care factor like you got to care about your players um and so you know if they need anything i'm there i'm just that type of yeah you know uh coach player is just to always be there for them if they need something um so that's been a challenge but it's also been let's if i can just flip it it's rewarding you know it's rewarding mm-hmm. for the fact that this is my eighth year and we are finally in a position to win a championship yeah. so there's the payoff you know what i mean mm-hmm. is this has been the goal since day one and doc has really transformed this whole organization into having the opportunity to win it. So I think that's that hopefully this year, if we continue, this will be the payoff. Yeah. What would you say, you know, you touched on it earlier, but something special or unique you kind of bring to coaching and coaching your players. Um, I think for me, just, especially with, I'll just give you an example of what's going on right now is with our zoom workouts. Yeah. Um, I think again, because I care about the development of the players and everything is I go out of 
my way or it's just actually just what I like to do is I keep it creative. I keep it fun. So yeah, I've done ball handling with one of our players and I won't ever allow it to be the same exact workout the next day. Like I'll change the competitive competitiveness of it. So like the first time we just did like at the, I would finish it with like a competition of who can dribble a hundred times as quick as we can. So we would compete. Right. And then it just built like a, a funny, humorous trash talking or whatever and then so the next time he's like anticipating okay well we're probably going to do that so maybe i don't know if he practiced it or not but i would switch it because i'm like there's no way i'm gonna let him beat me at my own game (laughs) so i would switch switch it and then i would have him lead the workout like just like what i said whatever move you want to do you do i'm gonna copy it and i said whoever dies or burns out first is the loser and so he he really like he killed me on it. He killed me on it, but it was also competitive. But that's the thing is, like, I put a lot of thought and effort on how they're going to receive the coaching and how competitive it is to keep their interest going. You know, I'm sure not only, you know, you teach players, but I'm sure you learn from them as well. So what are, you know, some of the things your players over the years have taught you? Oh, a lot. I was a CP for five years. So CP just he taught me how much he loved the game so like he would say um when i would get his film he'd be like well i need all the film and i'm like what do you mean all all of them i watch every game every night and i'm like that is so bs i was like there's no way but then he did he did hit me once and he's like i don't know if you remember but when the lakers switched to time warner they switched it they switched their channel and so he couldn't watch the lakers on league pass because it was on a different channel four or five years ago and he's like I need access to this. And I was like, well, I don't have, you know, I don't have that access. And he's like, well, I need it. And I'm like, why? And he's like, because I watch every single game. And I'm like, no way. And then I would text him to be, and I'd watch as many games as I could. And we would sit there and just go back and forth. Like, did you see this? What would you have done in this? Or did you see this end of the game? And that's where I just started soaking up, like, CP's mind. Like, it was, it was unbelievable. And then with, like, Kawhi now, like, Mm -hmm. His work ethic is second to none. So anytime, for me, if someone comes in with a really strong work ethic, I want to match it or try to beat him. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it's just been amazing in terms of just learning how he plans out his day, in terms of how he puts so much effort into taking care of his body, what he eats, um, just his detail to his shooting, like, warm-up. It's just from everything. Like, I'm just learning that, if you want to be great, if you want to be the best player, well, yeah, you have to be, you have to put in a lot of time, but at the same time, it has to take place over anything else. So like after our games, he'll work on his body for an hour and a half to two hours. Wow. I've never, I've never seen a player like that. Never. That but is, that is so good. Now, right. It coordinates with why he's so great. And mm. so then again, if I want to be great, okay, well then I have to put in time work all of our other guys go out and eat, right? Or they Mm -hmm. go see their family, which is fine. Like they could do whatever they choose, but this guy chooses to stay at the facility or stay at the arena and work on his body. That work ethic and like drive is so contagious. Like you said, it makes everyone else around you so much better. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, Before, you know, I ask you the final question. I just want to thank you so much for taking the time and talking to me. It was really cool to, you know, hear some of your stories and learn from you. No problem. I appreciate your time and the interest you have you have in with it. I mean, that's that's what we need. When people ask, what do we need? Well, we need more people helping 
each other. Yeah. You know, that's really big. Yeah, I so I want to thank you. So cool to, you know, listen to all these athletes and women in sports stories and, you know, be inspired by that. Because at a time like this where everyone's kind of stuck inside doing their own thing, like hearing stories about everyone, it just helps people stay inspired and motivated. So it's pretty cool to hear all your stories. <laughs> yeah, everybody, if I can get say anything, work out. Like, yeah. There's so much time when people, I cannot stand when people say that I'm bored. Bored? You can do so many things. Like, I don't want to hear bored. I don't want to hear, like, I'm tired of this. Like, figure out your, you know, what you're, what you're capable of, what you can do. And there's apps, there's, we have everything at our, like, right at our fingertips. So I would say just people work out, please. (laughs) Those Zoom workouts, like, every week. Yeah, Yeah, do something. So I asked this question to everyone I interviewed. It's the final question I asked. But what do you think is the most important thing we should be teaching young women today? It's kind of a big one, but. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of a big one. Um, hmm. The one thing. Oh, man. Well, I mean, you've you've said so many great pieces (laughs) of advice, but. Uh, That's a good question. I would just say, like, don't, don't fear anything. I mean, it's pretty simple, but like, but like, whatever, you know, whatever you want to do, whether it's like a game or your career or whether it's just a friendly competition with a friend, like, go all out, you know what I mean? Like, have no fear. And if, like, if, if fear, like, gets in your way, then just understand, like, it's just the mental stage. Like, it's just you telling yourself you can't do it. Yeah. So don't allow like your mental state to get in front of your dreams, your passions, your goals, like just go all out. And if you fail, it's okay. Like I have failed a thousand more times than I have succeeded. And to me, when I do fail, you just have to reflect and make sure you learn and be honest with yourself. I, that's the biggest thing. Be honest with what you're not good at. Yeah. Be honest with your weaknesses. Be honest with yourself. And when you're not good at it, go fix it and then move on. Okay. So. Awesome. That's so inspiring. And that is like a message I think every person needs to hear right now. So thank you so much again for your time. And I can't wait to see you as head coach sometime in your future. Thank you again. Thank you.